Hello, we have a special announcement we would like to make today. From Mother's Day to Father's Day, we have decided to partner with World Hope International and their special project called TAP Effect. This will provide you with an opportunity to honor and remember a mother or a father figure in your life. They could either be a biological mother or father or a spiritual mentor who has touched your life in a special way. In honoring them, you will be able also to deliver safe, clean water to families. If you would like to donate to this project in honor of your mother or father or a special person in your life, and to help families around the world, please specify World Hope Tap Effect on your donation or in the message of your e-transfer. Also, please provide the name or the names of the person that you would like to honor. Thank you for considering this. Welcome to Whitewater Wesleyan Community Church, where we invite you to believe in Jesus, belong to his church, and become like him. Stay tuned for this week's message. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 16 this morning. Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms. But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, Look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named 
Bear Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. If you've ever been tempted to believe that the Bible is out of touch with our modern world, you only need encounter a story or two like this one from the life of Abram. It seems that life and relationships have always, through human history, had a way of getting complicated, and things have often gone off track for people. This story has all the sex and scandal and passion of any soap opera on TV. Not that I would know from watching soap operas. I don't need to watch that stuff. I get enough spice in my life just from doing my sermon preparations. So Abram has a stunningly beautiful wife. And he loves her and she loves him. And uh, they are successful. They have lots of money. They are following uh, a plan that Abram believes God has spoken to him and led him to this place. And they've listened to God and they've moved there. And things seem to be going wonderful in every way, except that they still don't have children. Abram at this point is 86 years old, we're told, and, and Sarai around the same age. And so they're getting anxious and a little worried that this isn't going to happen for them. And God keeps reminding them that he's made a promise, and Abram believes him, but it's not coming through. And, and uh, so Sarai is getting a little worried, and, and that's what they want, but that's what they can't have, children. They try for years, they try, but even the fertility clinic can't help them, mainly because there aren't fertility clinics yet. And so they don't have anywhere to turn, and they've been resting on this promise, but now they're getting a little worried that time's ebbing away without any action. God had promised, and it was one of the promises he had, he had given Abram. And Abram had believed him, and, and they'd trusted, and they'd moved, and they'd gone where God told them, but they don't have any results. And so now Sarai believes she has to take matters into her own hand. She has to do something. She has to be a woman of action. And so she cooks up a scheme, and it's, it's not a good scheme. She cooks up this scheme that's kind of in... Uh, uh, surrogacy meets infidelity. And so she says, I, I can't have a baby for you, Abram. That doesn't seem to be working. So maybe my Egyptian servant, Hagar, uh, can be a new wife to you, and she can provide us with the baby that we can raise that can be our heir and can fulfill this promise that get God gave us. Maybe this is the way we'll get things moving along in fulfilling this promise and giving us a nation to raise to fulfill that promise that we would have many descendants. And so he, she tells Abram a better plan, and, and uh, Abram says, yes, dear, and, and Hagar says, yes, ma'am, and they do that. Abram uh, sleeps with Hagar, and Hagar gets pregnant, but then she gets really kind of uppity with with uh, Sarai, and, and, and it says she treated her with contempt. And so 
Sarai doesn't like this. She doesn't like that Hagar now seems to be feeling like she's better than Sarai. And Sarai goes to Abram and she gets mad at him and tells him this isn't right and you need to do something about this. And Abram says, okay, you do whatever you want. She's your servant. Do what you like with her. So Sarai starts to treat Hagar harshly. And Hagar decides that uh, even though she's treated Sarai with contempt, now Sarai is treating her poorly. She realizes that she's kind of lost some footing in the household and, and, and Abe has sided with Sarai and she decides she's going to run away from it all. And so she goes out to the desert and uh, she decides that she's not even going to give them visitation rights. She's just going to run away and, uh, and make her own life on her own. And she gets out into the desert, and God meets her there and says to her, where'd you come from? How'd you get to this spot? And where are you going? What's your plan from here? What made you run away to get into this spot? And where do you think you're going to go next? Do you have a plan? And then when she says, well, I, I ran away from my mistress Sarai because she's treating me harshly, God says to her, go back and face the consequences. Go back to your mistress and, uh, and face the music. But I, I want to let you know, too, that I'm going to bless you and that through this young man, you're going to have a baby. Your is going to be a great nation. And so you should name him Israel because I came and I heard you. I paid attention. I, I care that you're out here on your own. And so Hagar goes back, and she does have a son who is Abram's. But God says to them, listen, Abram, Sarai, that wasn't the plan. And uh, so I'm still going to bless you with a child with each other. And God had warned them, uh, he had warned Hagar that Ishmael would grow up and that he would be... Uh, he would be angry at, at everyone around him, and everyone around him would be angry at him, that he'd have kind of a, a real discordant relationship with his entire family. No surprise, right? Uh, that the child growing up in this kind of twisted situation with all these broken relationships would grow up mad at the world and not be able to kind of function among that family because he's angry and he's frustrated and the effects of all of their choices on him. And as the story unfolds, you can see what happens, and you can recognize uh, behaviors in it. Sarai, she decides that uh, she's going to have this plan, but then she decides that she's going to play the blame game. When, when things go off course, she says, the Lord has prevented me from having children. And so she says, go and, and sleep with my servant, Abram and uh, perhaps I can have children through her. He, she blames God because she doesn't have a child yet. It's his fault that she's got to come up with this plan. And then when Abram does what she asked, and, and, and Hagar gets pregnant, and, and Hagar gets rude about it, Sarai says to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, and now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's right, me or you. It's your fault. You made this happen. By doing what? By following the plan that Sarai 
had come up with. Now, of course, Abe isn't innocent either. Abe likes to play the victim. Abram has decided that if he doesn't make any decisions, if he avoids uh, responsibility for decisions, he won't have any responsibility for the consequences. Sarah had avoided consequences by blaming other people for what went wrong. Abe says, if I don't make any decisions, if I just let uh, Sarai come up with the plan and I do what she says and, and, and then I tell her, well, you just do what you want with Hagar and, and she comes up with the plan and she does the actions there, I won't have any responsibility. I just, if I don't make any, any choices, I can't be blamed for how it turns out. And that's his way of avoiding consequences. Hagar, on the other hand, when, when she becomes pregnant by her master and, and she gets contemptuous with Sarai and starts to treat her poorly and Sarai naturally gets mad back at her and, and then she wins the, the kind of wife battle off and, and Abe is on her side, Hagar decides she'll just run away from the consequences. That if she's not here, she doesn't have to face the music. She doesn't have to face the consequences of the way that she's been acting and the, the way that she's been treating Sarai, the way she's been acting about the things that she's been doing. And so all of these adults have kind of tangled webs that they've woven. They've all made choices and engaged in behaviors that have created this messed up scene where this little boy grows up and, and, and his dad and his mom aren't together and, and, and he's got another wife that he really loves and, and Hagar's just kind of the handmaiden, but, but he's kind of torn between all of these relationships that are, are angry and contemptuous with each other. And we think, no, no wonder he grows up angry. No wonder he's mad at the world. And no wonder it's not just them he's mad at. He gets mad at everybody because he just doesn't like the situation. A and doesn't that sound like some situations we've been aware of in our world? God had promised and, and God had had a plan for them. And God had said that things would work out and that he would bless Abram and Sarai with a, a, a child and they had gotten frustrated and impatient and they'd come up with their own plan and now because of this twisted plan things have gotten all off track and all these people are angry at each other and, and the plan hasn't unfolded as God intended and as God would have wanted. And this poor little guy Ishmael is right in the middle of it and dealing with the consequences. So what is God supposed to do? How is he supposed to sort this out? What is his part in, in this entire mess? How does he begin to unravel and untangle the tangled mess of relationships and anger and emotions that have been stirred up and the way that this situation has created such a, a volatile environment for this young man to grow up in? Because it's been their choices and their behaviors, these adults, and the way that they've related to each other, and the way that they've spoken to each other, and the way that they've chosen to take matters into their own hands and make their own plans for their future and, and do things, has not followed God's path. And now he's left, he has promised them that things would work out a certain way. 
And so where do we see God in the story? God goes, and after it's all blown up, he goes to Hagar when she's alone in the desert, and he says, listen, you're running away, and running away is not the way to solve this. Go back and face your mistress and, and deal with your relationship with her. And he says to Abe, look, you did this thing and you shouldn't have done it. You, you need to face the fact that I gave you a promise and the promise was very specific about you and Sarai and I'm still going to fulfill that promise and I'm going to be faithful to you even though you didn't wait on me. He doesn't write off Abram because Abram's made a terrible choice and he doesn't write off Sarai and the promise of a child of her own to raise and to love. And he doesn't write off Hagar, even though this Egyptian servant has, has not really supposed to have this major role in the, in the part of his plan. He says, I'm still going to bless you and, and little Ishmael. I'm going to, even though he's going to have issues because of you guys, I am going to make him into a great nation too. I'm going to bless him too. And so God begins to intervene and to fix things that are broken and to untangle the problems that they've created all by themselves. Because that's what God does. His grace in our lives helps us to untangle all those bad choices, all those mistakes we make, all those times when we take matters into our own hands and make our own choices, and we make choices that are completely against His will. Every time we choose sin instead of the path that He wants for us and the life that He's planned for us, our sins tangle up our lives and create damage in us and the people around us. They break relationships. And they harm our children and leave them with a legacy of, of confusion and brokenness and anger. And the only thing we can do is, is face up and fess up and face the consequences of our actions and go back to God and say, God, we made the mess. Help us to sort it out. Help us to know what we can do from where we've gotten ourselves off the path to get things back on track and to follow you and to make things better because you always have a plan that makes things better. And so we face up to what we've done. Not because God's angry at our sins and looking for an excuse to punish us, but because he wants to rid us of the effects and the consequences of our sins. He deals with our sins so that we don't have to live in them anymore. And so, so this morning... As the people of God, we know that sometimes we make choices. Sometimes the people around us make choices, sinful choices, that get their lives tangled and their relationships broken and harm each other and the children in their lives who are watching and looking for an example of what it means to follow God and to live righteously. And because they don't do things right, the kids don't know how to do things right and how to process what's happening and face things in a healthy way. And so we ask God to intervene and to work with us 
and to show us what we should do next. And even when we've made a mess of things, he can straighten things out and fix what is broken and repair us and renew us and regenerate us until our lives look more like the plan that he has for us. Let's pray together. God, this morning as we have uh, looked into this story and, and re found this chapter of Abram's life and uh, looked at what we can learn from it, we just uh, confess that it looks way too much like the circumstances we see around us sometimes. Sometimes it's the circumstances we find ourselves in because we confess that even those of us who believe you and follow you and have faith like Abraham also mess up sometimes and make choices that are not the choice you want for us and not the path that your Holy Spirit has tried to lead us down. And we have done things and said things and treated people in ways that do not honor you. And we have not set the right example at times for our children and, and those around us who are young and inexperienced who are watching us. And so we ask you to convict us of those times when we've strayed from the path and help us to see where things have gotten off track. But more than that, Father, help us to know how to get back on track, to know how to hear you and, and to listen to you and to allow your spirit to not only lead us but to empower us to live better lives to live like you want us to live and to obey your voice and go where you lead us and have that life that you had planned for us. Sometimes we are broken and we fear that you will not welcome us back and you will not forgive us for the choices we've made. Sometimes we think there's no way to straighten it all out with such a mess of things, but we thank you so much, Father that you love us and that you call us to you and you are willing to overlook all those things and because of Jesus you welcome us back into your kingdom and you begin to reform us and reshape us and make our lives worthwhile and purposeful and holy and good and satisfying and wonderful. And so we ask you to show up and to show us and to lead us and to, to work in power among us as we live out our lives this in these days. Help us to untangle everything that has become tangled and messy and to follow your path, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.